Welcome to the Digital Transformation of Business podcast, brought to you by Hughes On. All right, welcome to another episode of the Digital Transformation for Business podcast. My name is Chuck. I'm here with two coworkers who are new to the podcast, Calvin Carpenter and Brian Logan. How's it going? I'm Calvin, Product Marketing Manager, Cybersecurity. A little bit of background about me. I've been in marketing for about six plus years now, B2B and uh, B2C. Have a little bit of background in uh, cybersecurity, also uh, waste management and uh, health and wellness services. So a little bit of good variety. variety. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Brian. Yeah. My name is Brian Logan. Been with Hughes for a year, which has been exciting. I'm the product marketing manager for our digital signage product. Been in marketing since 2011. Any new new age, right? Like more modern marketing I mean, is what I'm used to. So you're um, the expert at the new school. The new school, yeah. So when I, when I started my career in 2011, that's when you know Facebook was um, just ramping up. I think Instagram was just for editing images. They weren't even, it wasn't even how it is now, so. They didn't um, have a social component? Nope. Oh, I think so. I think you had friends. You had friends, but it was mostly. It wasn't like it is now. No, 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 not at all. So it was it was a perfect um, situation for me to start my career into, you know, this new digital era. Nice. Excellent. My name is Chuck. I've been on the podcast uh, pretty much every episode, I believe. We're kind of starting fresh because we've been uh, away for quite a while with the pandemic and everything. And we're just starting back up now. We've got a couple new guys here that we just met. And uh, we want to get back into recording the podcast on a regular basis. Now, my background is, uh, well, it's been marketing for the past 15 years or so. But before that, it was in uh, traditional design. So I would design, you know, uh, theme park elements and character design. And it was in that industry, the tourism industry. Chuck is the man. But then, oh, thank you, Brian. Thank you. So nice. So uh, then I went into marketing in that same industry and then uh, came over to Hughes to do marketing as well. So I do a lot of the creative stuff. I'm a creative director for Hughes Marketing. Today we have a good topic, I think, and we're going to get to know each other a little bit better, but we have a, uh, a study that was done, and the results are 10 most important employee needs and how to meet them. So there are a lot of surveys like this and a lot of lists, and this one's a little bit different than the ones I've, I've read before. So we're going to kind of go over the 10 things that uh, employees said they uh, needed and how employers can meet those needs. Uh, and this is from the Profit.co, Profit.co uh, website. Uh, they provide a lot of cool services for this stuff. They're not sponsored. Uh, they're not sponsoring this podcast, but uh, they put out some good information. So we're going to go over some of these things. So you guys, without seeing the list, for you personally, in your uh, frontline jobs, when you before you were like an office employee, what was your kind of top priority as an employee that you wanted to get from your employer? Money. Money, wages, yeah. Yep, I want money. I, I think I think money is important. Also, just uh, the, the typical work-life balance, having a sense of purpose, something you can work towards. Those are the things that uh, come to come to mind for me personally. Yeah, I think work-life balance was my number one. Cause I wanted to, you know, when I was single and young, college, I wanted to focus on college and dating and social life and everything else, and I wanted to be able to uh, not be consumed by my, my job, a job that I knew that wasn't going to be my career. It was just kind of to pay the bills. But this one, you know, this one, I think the employees surveyed were a kind of hybrid between, uh, frontline hourly and then 
the full-time kind of salaried office workers, but uh, no executives, no high level, just more low level. Intr- uh, how do you say it? Entry. Entry level. Or front line. Front line. Front, yeah. Yeah. Front line. Entry level. Um, so let's get into it. Let's see what the ten are. Number ten. We'll go backwards. Was a sense of freedom. I was gonna say that as my number two was was a sense of freedom. Was so, that? So money number one, sense of freedom number two. Um, I'm so different in how I I I think and and operate especially when it comes to, to marketing and strategy, that I need management to, you know, give me a, give me, like, give me a sandbox and say, look, you could, you could play in it, you could build castles, you could put some water in it, you can do whatever you want, but just don't go outside of these, these four, you know, these four lines. Yeah, in the, in the report it says organizations need to shift from clocking in, clocking out systems and focus on productivity. Employees need to be free to make their schedules or work remotely as long as their work gets done. So basically, kind of what you're saying, as long as your work gets done and you're being productive, the the method of, of how you do it doesn't need to be super well-defined. It could be loosely structured, right? If this one includes remote work, I'm surprised it's this low on the list, just because that's something that uh, so many people are looking for nowadays. You see the job postings. Uh, if you surf on LinkedIn, you see a remote job posting with, uh, you know, 350 applicants versus one that's in person in the office with 12 or 13. So uh, I'm surprised to see this rank this low if, if remote work is, you know, such a big part of a sense of freedom, which, which I think it is. Especially your, your generation, Calvin. Calvin's younger than me. Brian, kind Calvin's of in the middle. Baby. Calvin's a baby. Calvin, Calvin. <laughs> that's exactly right. I thought I, look, I thought I was young when I first started, and then Calvin came a couple months after, and I was like, dang. A young guy got, with, got me by like with a, a wealth of knowledge <laughs> and very smart, but young. And so, yeah, that generation, Calvin's, what generation are you? You're not millennial. You're, are you? Yeah, you probably I are. Think, I think I barely make the cutoff for millennial, almost. Kind Gen of on Z. the border, Gen yeah. Z, millennial. Yeah. I'd consider you Gen Z. At, at heart, I think I identify as, <laughs> as Gen Z, sure. Yeah. I like the freedom. The freedom. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay, so number nine, uh, respect. Employees demand respect. Employees need to know that they are equals with their coworkers at a basic human level. Disrespect comes from favoritism, biases, and arrogance from managers and colleagues. The thing that comes to mind for me is that I was in a job where if I had any concern, if I brought up any sort of um, concern, really, about my job or about the, the company or anything, I was reminded that I was completely disposable. Like, it was completely... You know, I was I was replaceable. I could be replaced tomorrow. They they would say those words. They would say, "Oh well, you know, if you have a problem with it, we could just get somebody else in here." And it was it was very disheartening, and and there was a lot of morale problems with the my peers because it was very clear that if we raised our hand and had uh, gave feedback, that and if they didn't like it, they can get rid of us for you know with no effort, bringing somebody else to replace us with no. And it was tough. I mean, that was kind of a front line situation where. You know, it's a unskilled worker, if if you will. Uh, not sure that was is, is the right term, but um, you're you're a good man because I would have been like, okay, get somebody else there. Yeah, I, it was tempting, right? <laughs> That's what a lot of people do. A, a yeah. lot of people, if if they don't feel like they have that respect, and, and and if somebody tells you that you're easy to replace, that's that's when you say, hey, uh, be my guest. <laughs> right. <laughs> a lot of the the generations kind of talk trash about the younger generations because they think, oh, well, if they don't like something, they're just going to quit. Yeah. And hey, if they're if they're treating you poorly, why not quit? It's up to the employer to do their part. And they can't expect the employee to do their part 
in that environment. So that's uh, number nine, respect. Number eight is physical and mental well-being. When employers show that they care about the overall health and of their employees, the company's productivity improves. You know, I, I can't think of this one without uh, just immediately being brought to mind of some of those recent videos. Maybe you guys have seen them where people share, you know, a day in the life of uh, a Twitter employee or mm. a day in the mm -hmm. life of a Google employee where it's like, you know, 9 a.m., breakfast in the office, 9.30, yoga and mindfulness session, <laughs> uh, 10 o'clock, massage and, and meditation, you know. And, and uh, I, I think that that's a good example of, of maybe some places where, in my opinion, it's, it's a little over the top. But uh, I do see a lot of companies making, um, you know, uh, little secessions like that where they, they will give employees, uh, you know, things that uh, a lot of other companies won't um, for a couple of reasons. Either those employees are really hard to maintain or they're one of those companies who just, you know, has, has too much money on their hands and uh, hands out employee perks like that. But It's like a resort, like working at some, like, five-star resort. It, re the... it really is at some of these places. There's free real, breakfast, Was that a free, free example lunch. from Twitter? Yeah, that, that was, I, I'm, I'm not going to say it's verbatim, yeah. but that is a real example of what Twitter uh, was like up until recently, I guess. Well, that makes sense. That, that person, that, I wouldn't be surprised if that person, you know, doesn't currently have a job anymore. <laughs> yeah. Things are changing at Twitter right now yeah. uh, with the recent purchase. But the other companies, other other big businesses, you know, the Googles, the Apples, I do still think that a lot of those things are in So place. a lot of the, the things that people cited in this survey were healthy snacks, healthy meals, uh, standing desks, availability of standing desks, not required, but the option, uh, space for yoga and meditation, uh, health checks, breaks. I think that's important that you have the breaks that you need. And then uh, discounted or free gym memberships. Now, for me, it would be insurance, like kind of medical insurance. That's a big one for me because I've got kids and a wife. Yeah. I have a family to take care of. And so that's high on my list. My employer needs to be competitive in that space. Mm -hmm. Now, healthy snacks, I could bring those in myself. Right. But it's nice to have, you know, some fruit in the break room sometimes. But at the end of the day, I want to be able to have the medical care that I my family yeah. needs. I think, yeah, I, I agree with you there. And. One thing that I really appreciated, which I I felt like I almost cried, was um, when I first came. Remember how the we had different lights, and I yeah. and, and so for people listening, I, I have um, sensory issues, so a lot of of light sensitivity um, I have problems with, and our our lights were just kind of little older and it's bothering me i was getting headaches Some like fluorescent yeah. halogen yeah. hanging lights yeah you could hear them buzzing <laughs> buzzing yeah and and it was making me sick it's literally physically making me sick and so um you know we ended up having the all the lights in the in the entire um building switch and i was like man for me yeah that, for me which man. which says a lot about the employee our employer yeah, right our exactly. boss says exactly oh we've got an employee that has this need and it could have been easy to say, oh, it's just one person. Right. It doesn't matter. That's, that's, what I, that's what I assume, so, right? But yeah. we looked into it. Everybody looked into it, and they, they figured it out. And there was a, a definite cost to changing all the, all the lights and putting in uh, better lights that are dimmable and, and mm -hmm. healthier. So, and, 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 and I said a story before we started recording about a company that I was talking to recently. And they're like, oh, how much would it, how much would it take for you to, to leave your current company? And I immediately, you know, close my ears and I start singing because I didn't want to hear the number. <laughs> and so it's little things like this, right? Like, yeah, I'm, you may offer me more money, but you know, will you have my back? You know, when it comes to these health, help my help my my personal health problems, yeah. we don't have to. 
All right, so that's number eight. Number seven is competence. Employees need to know that they can do their jobs well and will have the ability to learn and grow. For managers, this means hiring the right person for the right job, as well as providing the best possible tools to get the job done. Competent employees often exceed expectations, so companies must be ready to reward them accordingly. This is big on my list. This would be higher up for me than it is here, number seven. Why is that? Well, uh, because I want the chance to grow in in my job. Now, Mm, an employer might be afraid that, oh, if this person grows too much, they're going to jump ship. So let's keep them down, you know, but... It's, it's better for everyone. Every, it's a win-win situation. If your employee acquires new skills and is more competent at the end of the day than they were when they started, it's, it's a win-win. The employer benefits from that. The employee benefits from that. You should compensate them fairly for that. Another way you could interpret this as well is looking at how to put employees in a situation where they're set up to succeed rather than set up to fail. Uh, I think of, you know, uh, salespeople with ridiculously high quotas or, or bringing in a new member of the marketing team and saying, hey, we want you to grow the business by, you know, uh, 500% this year or within the next <laughs> however many years, or, or even just a customer service representative. And, and you tell that customer service representative, hey, just so you know, we have uh, uh, three hours worth of, of backlogged calls waiting to get in contact with you and uh, 4,000 unanswered emails. You know, it's, uh, it, it, you can you can only expect so much competence from your employees yeah. and it's important to make sure that your uh, expectations for your employees are realistic otherwise you're just setting them up to fail and uh, I, I do think that some businesses make that mistake when hiring for certain positions okay so number six is good leadership team leaders supervisors and managers are role models in an organization in many cases a good leadership style is the difference between inspired and disgruntled employees. Employees look up to their leaders. One of, one of the key attributes that a, peop, a lot of people look for in good employees is that aggressive drive. You know, they're hungry for success. They'll do whatever it takes to be successful in their career. And what, what kind of people get promoted in the workplace? Those same people that have that, you know, that aggressive drive and that passion. But then it's hard to balance when you become a leader after, you know, putting in the work, putting in the hours, you become a leader you become a manager, maybe you manage a team. It's tough to find that balance afterwards where you say, hey, I want to be a very, you know, uh, confident, aggressive goal chaser. But I also have to realize that I've got human beings working right, for yeah. me now. And I have to take into account their thoughts, their feelings, how I come across when, you know, I, I uh, you know, present things to them. And it's really hard to find that balance. The, the best leaders that I've ever had um, always knew me, like my personality. And they, they knew my strengths and they knew my weaknesses. And, and so when, when certain tasks or objectives were assigned to me, they, they were assigned with that in mind. They, they may assign me something that's not necessarily my area of strength. And when they do that, they would always like attach a person or some type of resource. So they would go, hey, and you do this and seek out so-and-so and so-and-so for help. I'm like, oh, cool. Thank you, Lord. Cause and they're not expecting you to be the, the expert. Right. No, but not, not at all. Yet. Not, yeah. Right. Not at all. And and so what, what I think that empowers me because now I can I can be more productive and, 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 you know, more sharp on the things that I'm good at. Right. And that they know I'm good at because of that reason. So, you know, assigning me something that that I'm not good at with, without those resources, that that kind of that's a that's a that's a that's a no go. 
Okay, number five, work-life balance. It's a big one, I think, for all of us. I think that this term has been hijacked recently to mean, you know, I want to work from home. (laughs) (laughs) Work-life balance for a lot of people today just means, you know, hey, please let me work from home. And and I get that. And that's definitely uh, a big part of it. I I do think that there's more to this term than, you know, what people talk about today, which is, uh, you know, we we talked about number 10, a sense of freedom. I feel like these two go hand in hand, work-life balance and a sense of freedom. I almost feel like those two should be one thing on this list. Because what you're basically asking your employer for is to trust you to reach your goals in the way that works best for you. And obviously, there's some give and take there. There's some compromise. The employer um, doesn't expect the employee to, to put in extra work after hours. And, and, the, and, the, and the employee, as employees, we, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't feel like stressed or that burden that men, I have to do this, right? Um, and I think that goes both ways. And, and when, when that balance is is created between the employee and the employer, when when those opportunities or those times do arise, it's it's a no brainer for both sides. Like, oh yeah, I'm sick. Oh, go ahead. I don't doesn't matter. Or hey, um, I need this done by this by this time. You only have, you only have an hour left here in the office. You know, oh don't worry, I, I I'll stay up till whenever. You know, to get this done, or I come in the office on, like you said, on a Saturday, regardless. So I, th- I think there's kind of like this, this, uh, this back and forth, this tug and pull of okay, give and take. Yeah, right? you got my back this time. I got your back next time. You got my back this time. You know, back and forth. All right, number four, we're getting there, guys. Uh, clear goals. This refers to measurable targets, like deadlines and quotes, quotas that contribute to the company's greater vision. Employees also need to understand how their role will grow in the company through career progressions and promotions. This clarity allows employees to align themselves with the organization for their long-term success. When I first started my career, was in sales and selling, and selling marketing. And I knew what my commission was. I, I knew the brackets I had to hit. And I was in control of that, right? Regardless of anything else, if they were bad leads, good leads, it was irrelevant. The fact that I knew I could make X amount of dollars if I hit Y. And... Naturally, you're, you're just more. You're, it was clear. It was clear. The, that clarity was really predictable. Yeah. yeah, it was there. And and again, it's it's really hard. Like how how we're we're measured right in our jobs by obviously certain things, but when it comes to the career path, I don't I don't know if I, I haven't been a part of a company where I've clear I've clearly seen the roadmap right. If this is how you get to the next level, mm-hmm. and and when you get to this next level, you're going to receive an X. And then after you hit that, here's a, here's the next level, and you're gonna be receiving why, right? Um, that that right there, I, th- I think, is the opportunity, a big opportunity for a lot of employers. I have a friend who went to his boss and said, "I want to make this much, and I want to be in this position by this date. This is what I want." And the employer said, "Okay, let's do it. Nice. Keep, keep up the good work, and you will get there." And it was kind of a, a an agreement between the two. And when he told me that, I was shocked because he said he was going to do it. Yeah. I said, "Oh man, you've got you've got some guts. I'm not I'm not sure I would ever do that." Um, That's good. good luck. You're not. It's not going to work out well. And he came <laughs> back and he said, "Oh, it worked out perfectly." Yeah. And then it happened, and I thought, "Well, I got to start doing that." It's, it's the clarity. That's yeah. what the, when, was in the survey, right? It's clarity. Like, if this is my goal, I present it to my company, and they say no. Well, I have clarity that I'm not. I can't. Ex- I can't accomplish my goal in this role. So I let that at least allows me to move on to another place that can accomplish that. Um, and, but also, you know, 
having that conversation for the for the employer can he can say okay i want to help you out we could hit this but here's the criteria instead of using the criteria you gave me here's here's our criteria yep. right for you to hit. and still at the end of the day both sides you have that you have that clarity the expectations and then the most important thing too is the timeline like you got to have goals and then, and then timeline otherwise you go back to the everyday you know routine stuff show just, up just clock show up, in yeah. do your thing clock mm-hmm. out yeah number four is a sense of purpose and i think it kind of goes along with what we just talked about employees need to know their work is meaningful to an organization in more ways than simply increasing profits employees engage better with initiatives that help meet customer or community needs one, one thing that I think would be worth mentioning here is uh, I, I read an article recently. Uh, it was, I think it was about how Netflix treats its employees more like uh, a sports team rather than a family. Have either of you oh, really? read that or seen that? <laughs> no, I haven't seen that. It's, it's good. I, I, like, I like that analogy a lot more because I don't, I don't think it's a perfect analogy. It is not perfect, but it's much better than the family one because – you know, when, when revenue's down and push comes to shove, you, you know, you don't replace family members, right? You know, you don't drop, you, you know, don't fire little, family members, little Timmy, you know, off and never pick him up again type of thing. <laughs> but uh, when someone on a sports team is struggling, you know, it, it's common practice to give them additional coaching, uh, make sure, you know, they're healthy in a good state of mind, give them every opportunity to succeed. And, you know, if after all that, someone is still underperforming, uh, then you might consider, you know, replacing a member of your team with somebody else who can who can get that job hmm. done right that's so, interesting yeah I, I think that example is a little bit better and you know if in terms of uh, a sense of purpose i think having that state of mind where you're contributing to a team does a lot more for you than uh you know when you think you're just kind of in a silo working by yourself having that mindset of saying hey i'm part of this organization i'm part of this team i have a mission i have clear goals uh it's a lot easier to be fulfilled in your day-to-day life uh, rather than being in a place where you're missing those things. How do you how do you think you would show that? Because I, I feel like like from a marketing perspective, there's could be literally like five to eight different people involved in an entire, you know, full funnel campaign and it gets deployed and, you know, there's tons of leads are generated, good conversions that, you know, clients, revenue. So it's you know, do, does does the the boss stand up and say, "Hey, you five or eight people that were involved in this, good job." Recognition like, is that is that is that how you would, would you feel like your sense of purpose is established from with that example? That's part of it. I think that's I think that's part of it, and I think that the other part is working for an organization that aligns with your own values as well. Yeah, um, I like that part. The it second was, part. It was really hard for me to have a sense of purpose at my first job, uh, what I would call my first, you know, real job, where it was for uh, like health and wellness supplements. And I didn't believe in the product at all. <laughs> I hated the product. I like, this product is terrible. And uh, trying to be a marketer for that product was very difficult for me because it was something that I didn't believe in. Mm-hmm. And it was also something that I didn't believe other people wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thought, you know, kind of from day one, this, this is kind of destined yeah. to fail, in my opinion. I, I don't really have uh, a personal connection to what I'm doing. It doesn't, you know, resonate with me. And uh, having a sense of purpose in that situation is a lot harder than, um, you know, when I've worked for other companies where I, I did believe in their product. I thought it was something that people wanted. 
And, uh, you know, it was a lot easier for me to be inspired to get the word out because I thought if I can just get the word out to the right people, I know that they're going to want it because this is a great product or service. Even with me, like my definition is like a, a purpose or being like fulfilled. Th those things like contributing to, you know, a campaign or something where it brought the company success. I, I personally wouldn't feel fulfilled from that. I would, I would, I would like pat myself in the back and say, you did your job. Okay. You know, thank you. But I think, I think it goes back to what I said earlier too, is for leaders to understand uh, their employees on an individual level. Right. So instead of, you know, obviously if you say, what are your goals? If you can maybe associate that with a sense of purpose as well on a, on that individual you know, basis, I, I think that's helpful. Because if I know that 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 helps you out, I'm going to, you know, build you up and recognize you as much as I can, you know, versus somebody like me, where it's more of that individual, you know, criteria that I'm hitting, that's going to bring me a sense of purpose. And well, that this all leads right, everything you just said, Brian, leads into number two, um, feedback and recognition. Mm -hmm. With feedback comes validation that an employee is doing a good job or needs to improve their performance. So it kind of goes both ways, right? Feedback must be timely, honest, and without judgment on the employee. It's, I think this is, yeah, this is, this is continuing the conversation because from, from my perspective, I don't really, I don't really care if somebody says like, good job or um, it, like the attaboy. Like, yeah, like, I, I, like, it doesn't really, you know, it doesn't really do nothing to me. You know, you can't have things to be standard. Like, it's, it's hard to make things uh, to standardize certain certain things, and I think that's the case. Like some, when when we see, you know, we have signage right in our hallways, and, and we see um, employee employee coworkers that go, "Hey, good job" or "Congratulations," uh, you know, is that is that gonna do everything? That's not gonna that's not gonna do something like inside of somebody that it is gonna do to other people. So yeah. some people will will benefit from that more than others. Yeah, be based on the type of. Yeah, so, recognition they seek. So it's it's, but it's it's. I think it's hard because other people may want recognition in other ways than just being you know put on a screen or being announced or getting like a, a, a an award or a trophy, right? So I think some employees may need to be recognized differently than others. Yeah. So some of them feel really appreciated when they go into their to their desk and there's something on the desk. Some employees need that pat on the back from the manager saying, hey, you yeah. did a really good job with this this thing. Some employees might uh, need something else. I mean, I'll say one thing really fast is that I think it's I think it's obvious that, you know, positive feedback is extremely important in any organization. But also we need to be wary of, of how we respond uh, to, you know, constructive criticism, right. negative mm -hmm. feedback as well. Mm -hmm. There's there's another side to that coin where, you know, it's important to uh, I mean, my rule of thumb is as long as it's not rude, do not take it to heart whatsoever, <laughs> because, you know, constructive criticism uh, is an important part of any organization as well. And and it's important to know how to balance the, the good feedback and the bad feedback. You guys ready yeah. for number one? Yep, give it to me. Oh, yeah. Number one. Now, to preface this, there have been many studies that we've read that we've come across about employee needs, employee engagement, et cetera, that it has this one, this particular uh, item further down the list, but this study has it at the top. This, the results of the study puts fair wages at number one. Employees, doesn't it doesn't surprise me either. And there what are reasons. What does that mean? Like they want more money? Well, let's, let's see what it means. Employees need adequate compensation for their work, 
Often this translates into going above the legal minimum wage requirements. This is for frontline uh, employees. Companies should continuously assess their compensation structure to ensure competitive rates and offer incentives like rewards and bonuses. Yeah. So I'll start this one. You guys have probably both seen that many states have started to require salaries to be posted on job descriptions. Mm -hmm. Uh, What that means is it's never been easier to Google your job title, find out what your peers are earning, (laughs) and about how much you should be earning at your position. And if you find out you're underpaid and you go to your employer, but they refuse to increase your compensation for one reason or another, it's extremely easy to just apply to other jobs to get that pay increase instead. And uh, according to recent data, on average, people who switch jobs get about $10,000 extra on average. It's the new raise. So if if your employer is not willing to, you know, I'm not saying they have, they don't have to give you a ten thousand dollar raise every single year, yeah, right? Yeah. But if you are underpaid and you know that you're underpaid, um, it's very easy for people, especially you know, maybe not the job market in the past couple of weeks has has kind of started to shift tides. Right. But you know, rewind to uh, you know four or five months ago, it, it it was never easier to switch employers and and get that raise. And so uh, if, if your employer wasn't doing anything to drive loyalty to your employees, a lot of people were experiencing a lot of churn as people began to find out how much they were actually worth. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point that you make as far as the loyalty part, right? Because if, if, like, if I'm not loyal to my company, if I don't feel that, um, money, I'll, I'll leave. I'll leave for money, you know? I'm, I leave for 5000 I'm cheap. It's the reason it's the reason everybody's at their job in the first place. You know what I mean? Yeah, let's face it. We're all here for the paycheck. Yeah, that's why we have a job. Yeah, but I think that it really kind of we've seen this. We talk about the transformation of business in this podcast. We've seen over the years the trend shift back and forth between. um, Well, it all depends on the job market, um, largely. The job market, if the job market is very strong, where there are a lot of opportunities out there, and employers are offering better incentives, better wages, better salary, et cetera, then the employer, other employers need to kind of step up their game and be competitive like that. And yeah. then, cause the employee now has the, uh, the power, the power, but when the job market is poor and there are not many jobs out there, you're just glad to be in the job right. that you're at. Mm-hmm. You're not going in to ask for a 10% raise out of nowhere because you know that it's, you can't just jump ship it and go to another company as easily as when right. the job market. So I think the, I think that's one factor in that. I, th- I think, again, going back to that career path and seeing how much I could make over X amount of time would, would keep my loyalty as well, right? Yeah. Um, because if I, if I somewhat am having a good, a good experience, a great experience, and I'm, I'm new, like, let's say with me, I've, I've been here for a year, right? Like, I, my loyalty is really high, especially with examples we gave with lights and everything like that. Um, if somebody came and offered me, you know, maybe 20 more, but then I saw, a, a, if I had a transparent path that, that I'd be like, oh, psh, I'm about to make this in five months. I'm not, I'm not worried. You're about in no you. hurry. Oh, yeah. no. Or, or, or even if I'd, I'd say, okay, I can leave for, you know, 10, 20 more, but my path says I can get 10, 20 in two years. Oh, I'm going to stay because of. Right. Because what, there are other things on your list exactly. that also come into play. Exactly. So there are other factors, and that's that's where I'm at. And I think that's what. Now, now, if I didn't have that transparency, right, that 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 ten or twenty that somebody else offered me, that's a little bit more. That's a little bit more enticing. So we've seen in other studies and other publications that say 
uh, wages aren't as important as we once thought they were. And I don't know if I totally agree with that, but I think what they're trying to say is that there are other factors that play into the this decision yeah. to stay or leave in addition to wages. The only yeah. one I can think of today, the only one, in my opinion, that would make people be willing to compromise on wages Remote. is if they work from home. Yeah. So they would take a yeah. lower pay. That's that's the only wow. thing today that Absolutely. I think. So are we seeing that? Too. I mean, I, I yes, you guys you are that seeing with that with yeah. mm-hmm. your Absolutely. peers that they were, they're willing to take mm-hmm. a smaller salary if they can work from home. Yep. Yeah, they are. They have fewer costs, mm-hmm. more convenience, more time. Mm-hmm. So now wages, of course, are a factor, but they're not the determining factor every time. And they're not the only factor. I mean, they're, they're one of many factors. And so, um, yeah, I think that's, that's interesting because I don't think it was like that 30, 40 years ago. I think the times Pandemic. have changed. Yeah. Pandemic really did kind of alter that perception. <laughs> well, guys, it's been a fun conversation. I, I like talking about this stuff. We look forward to many other future episodes. Thanks for listening and catch us next time. <laughs>